0: Our passage today is John 16, verses 5 to 15. So you can call that up if you want on your phone, <clears throat> or a physical Bible if you brought that with you. I've heard people still have some of those things. And, uh, or you can watch, uh, watch the screens, read off the screens. John 16, 5 to 15. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you." The word of the Lord. Truth. Do we want to know the truth? Sometimes we do, sometimes not so much because the truth can be very hard sometimes. And even though we know that we can't hide from the truth ultimately because it is the truth, sometimes we just don't want to hear it. But sometimes the truth is good news. And once in a while, there is truth, that when we first hear it, we, we think, no, 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 that's not good news. I'm not sure I want any part of that. But then when we start to understand it, a bit more, we realize, no, this, this actually, it's, it's not bad news, it's, it's good news. In fact, it's not just good news, great news. That can happen. So in verse 13, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth, and he says, he will guide you into all the truth. Now this is not surprising, because the spirit is all about truth. Jesus is all about truth. The Father's all about truth. Back in John 14, Jesus said that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And John chapter one talks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. And God the Father, he never lies. Paul mentions this in Titus one. Numbers, it's all through the Old Testament as well. Numbers 23 says God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? No, of course not. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. God's all about truth. But God's truth may not immediately be seen as good news. So in our passage, in John 16, verses eight to 11, we're told the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, is going to do some things. And it may not sound that good to us at first. Verse eight says, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This may not sound so good to us. As Robert Morris says, when we hear the words convict and sin and judgment, we don't like the sound of that. It doesn't really hit us the right way. It might actually seem, Robert Morris says, like the Holy Spirit's message is, you're not a good person, God's mad at you, he's going to get you. That is not the message of the Holy Spirit. Because the message of the Holy Spirit is the same message as that of Jesus, and Jesus' message is good news. So let's look at what's being said here. So the word convict, I'm almost certain that every one of you, when you hear that word, you are thinking of a courtroom, likely, where you've got an attorney, a prosecuting attorney, who wants to put out evidence to convict the accused, to send the accused to jail. But what the word really means is to convince with solid evidence, compelling evidence. Now, there is also a connotation of showing someone that they are in the wrong about something. And that's how the NIV translates it. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I have to say, pointing out that someone is wrong about something is not the same at all as a prosecution, prosecuting attorney trying to convict someone and send them away. So what's being said here is that there is objective truth about the world, about us, about God, and our our human condition. And all three, God the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they all have the same message, and that is that the world is seriously off base in three areas, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now the world does not believe there is a problem with sin. Basically, you know, our problem that yeah, we're we're not in the greatest situation here as humans, but you know what? We can fix it. That's what some people thought in the in the 20th century because there had been so many advancements in science, technology, understanding about psychology, all these things, so many advancements. It's just a matter of time before we figure this out. We just need to get people in the right environments, provide the right things, you know, give them more education, have better environments for kids to grow up in. You know, we can reduce poverty. Doing those things are, are great. We want to do those things. But they don't solve the problem of the human heart. We can see that. People are not so optimistic now that we can just fix all our problems. Just look at the, at the state of the world. It's obvious. We still oppress each other. We still attack each other. We don't love each other as ourselves. For all of human history, human beings have been going the wrong way. And the issue is not just a few mistakes that we can correct. It's a matter of our heart. It's a matter of the fact that we have rebelled against God and it has impacted us deep in our souls. We are broken. And we need to know this. God's telling us, this is the way to walk, and we said, no, we're going the other direction. And God needs to tell us this. You know, if we see someone who is about to injure themselves, they don't realize what the situation is. They're about to be seriously hurt, and if we can say something to stop them, we say it. If we don't, it's, it's callous, it's cruel. We want someone to warn us about that. So why would we think any differently about God? If God doesn't warn us about this truth, he's not doing us any favors. So I might be dating myself too much with this, but there's an old movie called Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with Steve Martin and John Candy. And so there's one scene where uh, John Candy is driving, Steve Martin's in the, in the passenger seat, and they're driving along, and John Candy looks over, and he sees there's another car going the same direction, and they're trying to frantically, he's, he, the windows roll down, they're frantically trying to get their attention. And so he tells Steve Martin, he's, uh, he tells Steve, you know, open your window. So, so he opens it down, and the guy is shouting at Steve, you know, you're going the wrong way. And you know what? They are he didn't realize that there is actually a strip, a median in between the two cars, and they're going the wrong way down the freeway. Headed right for, it's, it's middle of the night, so there's not much traffic, but there's, there are gonna be cars coming. And they don't realize this. And so Steve Martin turns to John Candy and he says, so he says we're going the wrong way. And John Candy thinks for a second, he says, well, how would they know where we're going? And Steve Martin says, yeah, how would they know? They, they weren't open to the truth of their situation. And so Steve Martin you know, turns back toward the driver, thank you, you, know, you know, the, the, he's, he's a little out there, they think. They're like, who is this crazy guy? And then they nearly die. And the reason they don't die is because it's a comedy, and you know, nothing like that happens in comedies. But it's a serious situation. And when we look at what the other driver did, they did what we want them to do. We, we don't think they're that driver was condemning them. It was out of love and concern. The Holy Spirit never condemns. He tells us the truth out of love. Jesus said in John 3, 17, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And we saw in our passage, verses 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit's message is what Jesus asked him to say. It's the same message. Jesus is not condemning. The Holy Spirit is not condemning. He's our helper. He's on our side. The word paracletos or paraclete, Pastor Jerry has spoken about that word. It, it really has a an, has an connotation of, a, of a, someone standing up in court for the defendant, pleading the cause of the defendant. Satan is the accuser. He's the prosecuting attorney. The Holy Spirit is helping the world by showing people that they are in the wrong about sin and about who Jesus is. Those two are connected. Because Jesus said in verse nine, so the Holy Spirit will talk about sin because the world doesn't believe in me. There's a connection between those two things. To believe in Jesus is to acknowledge who he is, that he's the son of God, and that he did what he did on the cross, that that had to be done. God himself came down and took my sin because there's no other op- option. To b- admit that Jesus is who he is and to believe in him is to admit that we have sinned, and that we need to repent and turn around and go back to God. That's what repenting is. Realizing you're going in the wrong direction and turning and going back to God. It's because of God's love for us that he shows us we've been going the wrong way. So the Holy Spirit also convinces us about righteousness. Now, that word righteous or righteousness, it just sounds so stuffy, doesn't it? It's old-fashioned and almost meaningless and irrelevant. Two quick things about that word. So righteousness is not a standalone description of someone, like saying they have brown hair. So they have brown hair always in every situation. It doesn't depend on anything or anyone else. That's not what righteousness is in the Bible. Righteousness describes the relationship between two people, that you, have, you are in right standing with someone else. God is in right standing with everyone. So Tim Keller points out that this, this concept, having right standing, it's not stuffy, it's not irrelevant, it's something we all want every day in our lives, with other people. We want to be in right standing with our friends and our family. And if, we're, if, we're, if we do things like, you know, we're, con- we're unkind, we're rude to our friends, we don't have the same right standing. If we keep it up, we might lose the friendship. And Tim Keller points out, he uses the example of Con Edison in New York, because that's where he is, about the electricity company. We want right standing with the electricity company or else we'll have our power cut off. And, you know, with God, because of our rebellion, none of us have right standing with him. But the world thinks that we do. We're good, most of the world thinks. And to compound the world's error, as Colin Cruz says, the world declared Jesus to not be righteous when we, the world, crucified him. We declare, Jesus, you don't have right standing with the Father. But Jesus declares, I'm going back to the Father because I have right standing with him. Cruz says, the one they declared sinful, Jesus, was vindicated by God when he raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him to his right hand. The counselor will convict or convince the world of its false standards of righteousness. So Jesus being raised from the dead and exalted to the right hand of the Father proves that he is righteous and that the world's standards, our standards of righteousness, don't cut it. As Leon Morris says, the Spirit shows people And no one else can do this, he says. It's just in brackets. It's thrown in there. By the way, no one else can do this. That is almost like a sermon in itself. You could unpack that. How much we need the Holy Spirit. No one else can do the things that the Holy Spirit is doing. The Spirit shows people that righteousness is not the acquiring of merit that they think it is. Righteousness before God depends not on their own efforts, but on Christ's atoning work for them. The lie of the world is that we can gain merit with God by what we do. The Holy Spirit tells us the truth about right standing with God. We don't have it, and we can't earn it. But there's good news. That's not the only truth that the Holy Spirit tells us about righteousness, as Robert Morris points out. The other truth is that he convinces, convinces us that if we are in Jesus Christ, we are righteous. We have his righteousness. Just as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. I'm sorry, I lost my place here. 5.21 says. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. He took his, our sin on himself so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God sees us as completely righteous. We have right standing with God, the same right standing that Jesus does. This is astoundingly good news. So the Holy Spirit convinces the world about sin because the world doesn't believe in him, about righteousness because he's going to the Father, and thirdly, about judgment. Now you might be thinking, okay, this really, this is not a good thing, right? Judgment, it just sounds terrible. How can this be good news? It is good news because Jesus says in verse 11, the ruler of this world is judged. The ruler being Satan, he has been defeated. And as Robert Morris says, because Satan has been defeated and judged, he has no authority over us as believers in Christ. He will lie to us and try to tell us that he does, that he still has authority over us. And we need the spirit of truth in us to continually remind us and so deep into our hearts that we are under the authority of God now. Satan has no authority over us. He's been defeated. This is our situation and our truth, our reality, right now. And it's also true about our destiny. Even more so because Satan is going to be eradicated and evil will be eradicated. God's kingdom will be ushered in. We will live in his presence, in God's presence with love and joy and peace, with everything being set right. This is our destiny and it's amazing news. Now, of course, the fact that Satan has been defeated is not good news if we've aligned ourselves with Satan But the work of Jesus, the work of the Holy Spirit to testify to what Jesus did, is to tell people not to align themselves with Satan, to talk about the way that has been made, that we don't have to be under his authority anymore. God does not want anyone to perish, but to come to a saving knowledge of him. God sent the Holy Spirit to combat the lies of the enemy. You know, Satan starts out, usually, by saying, you know what, don't worry, you know, there, there's no issue with sin, you know, you're, you're good, you have good intentions, right, everything's fine, but then when we understand the truth of God, what our real condition is, then Satan turns around, and he tries a totally opposite tack, and he says, yeah, you did sin, didn't you? Yeah, you messed up big time, who, who do you think you are that God could love you? He's angry with you. You better stay away from him. But the Holy Spirit tells us the truth. Yes, you need a savior. But Jesus is your savior. He came to save you. And in his eyes, you are worth it. You're worth the price that he paid. You're his creation, his treasured possession. Your sin is forgiven, and the Father sees you just like he sees his son, Jesus. And you will live with him forever in his kingdom where all death and mourning and crying and pain has been abolished. There's only love and joy and peace. This is the truth of our situation if we are in Jesus Christ. And it's such good news. It's good that the spirit of truth came. But you might remember in the first couple of verses in our passage that the disciples were not happy that Jesus was leaving. They were grieved, it says. This is another case of good news, great news, not sounding so good at first. They were filled with grief, but they didn't know really what God was planning. Unless I go away, the helper will not come to you, Jesus said. So let me ask you a question. Pastor Jerry said that he asked this question some time ago before before covid and the question is this who would you rather have jesus in the flesh risen beside you with you in your life physically with you or the holy spirit in you i think many of us would choose jesus physically beside us because we could see him, we could hear him, we can interact with him the way we interact with other people, and that's how we're used to interacting, you know, it's just so much easier. Wouldn't that be better? No. It would be amazing to have Jesus physically with us, but not if that means we don't have the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't, he didn't tell the disciples, you know what, I'm going away, and don't worry, it's gonna be okay. He didn't say, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be as good as now, really, I promise. He said, no, it's going to be better. He said in verse 7, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage. If I don't go away, he's not going to come. And it's better that he comes, having the Holy Spirit in us. You know why? Because the spirit of, of truth the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It's not like we don't have Jesus. He is in us. Four times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is referred to as either the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. Luke does it in Acts. Paul does it in Romans and Philippians. Peter does it in 1 Peter. They are united. They're one being. They are in complete harmony. The message of the Spirit is the same as Jesus. He speaks what Jesus tells him. Jesus speaks what the Father tells him. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Jesus glorifies the Father. The Father and the Son send the Spirit to us. They are unified, they are one. We have Jesus in us through the Spirit. You know, I think we imagine sometimes, yeah, but if Jesus were right here beside me, you know, my faith would be stronger, right? I wouldn't doubt, I couldn't doubt. Isn't that better? No, the disciples spent three years with Jesus, listening to his teachers, teaching. Three years, seeing him perform miracles. And what happened when he was crucified? They scattered, they fled in terror. You may say, well, yeah, but when they saw him rise, then they, they really knew you know, who, who he was. Yeah, they were more convinced, but you know what, even then, Jesus said, no, don't, don't, don't start going out. You can't do this just because you really know in your head that I, I have risen, wait for the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1:4, he says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was only by the power of the Holy Spirit that the disciples became powerful, unstoppable witnesses to the resurrection. Being, con- being convinced that something is true is not all there is to faith. We need God's power to walk it out. Jesus in us is also better because he works in us, he changes us into his image, giving us more of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The spirit in us is better than Jesus physically beside us because it's by this Holy Spirit that we experience the presence and love of God. Jesus said in John 14, 23, that those who love and obey me, my Father and I, we will come and make our home with them. This is like a taste of heaven. This is a picture of what's going to happen in future where God dwells with us. And the Father and Son do this through the Holy Spirit. Do we grasp, do we understand how significant it is that God has poured out his spirit on us as people? John the Baptist spoke about the Messiah coming. He prepared the way. And there were two things that he said characterize Jesus and what he's going to do. He said, behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was going to take away our sin, and that's not all. He also said that I baptize with water, but Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Those are the two things that Jesus does, that he did. And that changed history. There are three main areas, or sorry, eras in history. Three periods. You know, we think the world has changed with COVID, and it has. We think the world changed, you know, because of the first and second world wars, and it has, and maybe in the past history with empires and things. But nothing compared with the Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world and sending his spirit. The three eras are before Jesus came took our sin and sent his spirit. All of the history of the Old Testament, God was only present, manifestly present. Yes, he's, he's everywhere, uh, omnipresent, but he's only present in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, in the tabernacle. That's it, with a veil separating. He's holy, separate from the people. The priest, high priest could only go in once a year, and it was a scary affair. Occasionally, God's Holy Spirit would come upon Um, prophets but that's it we were in the world here God was in his world and there's a tiny intersection between those two worlds in the temple after Jesus came his spirit can be in us literally inside of us and then finally when God's kingdom comes he's going to be here with us completely sin will be eradicated We will be united with him even further. There's a real material difference between these eras. I mean, I think we know intuitively, it's gonna be so radically different when Jesus comes again. It's radically different now from before Jesus came to earth. He's poured out his spirit. You know, Ephesians 3, 16, and 17 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Jesus is in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we want more of Jesus, we want more of his spirit. It goes on to say in Ephesians, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power the power of the Holy Spirit, together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? You can't. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit in us that we can begin to understand the love of God, and begin to experience. And that word, to know this love, that's not a head knowledge, that's an experiential knowledge. Knowing, by experience, the love of God. And we experience that by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is not a concept, or, or, or an idea that we agree with. And we can know that we have the Holy Spirit in us if we are followers of Jesus Christ. Not only because the Bible tells us that it's true. The Holy Spirit's a divine person. We can experience him. And and through him, the love and presence of God in us. Let's make the most of this amazing time that we live in and ask God for more of his spirit. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, but you're sensing, hey, maybe I was created for more than what this, this world has, and you're sensing that maybe your Creator wants to know you and love you, I encourage you, talk to someone that knows Jesus, or talk to one of the pastors here at Summit. And if You are a follower of Jesus. No matter what experience you've had of the Holy Spirit so far, there is more. There's always more that God wants to give us. More of himself. That's why he took away the sin of the world. So that we can be with him intimately, in intimate connection. There's always more. If you you don't think you've heard the voice of God, you, you have, if you're a believer, you have been moved in that direction. And he, he whispers to us, we, just, we, need, we need to be still and listen and expect him to speak because he wants to be with us, to commune with us, to sow down into the depths of our soul and our spirits how much he loves us and the truth about him and our situation. The spirit of truth is an amazing gift. It's God himself. Let's celebrate that God gives himself to us. Let's ask for more of him in our lives. Will you pray with me?